You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. is Friday, October 13th. This is the Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn, and you're riding home with me. I did not upload yesterday's show about the church in Israel. I think it was a pretty good show, and I think you're going to enjoy listening to it. So you're going to get that, and then you're going to get today's show, which is titled Baptism and the blind. Baptism and the blind. I don't mean people who can't see. I mean a duck blind. Because I want to talk about Phil Robertson's biopic. I just, I just can you imagine this is the point we're at. Maybe I should reserve this commentary for the show topic time. But you have biopics about General George Patton. Biopics about Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali. There's a biopic about Malcolm X. Is there a is there a Martin Luther King Jr. biopic? I don't know. I don't. I can't think of one. Uh, (laughs) I think there's a biopic about Mike Tyson. There would you know Henry. I think there's a Henry VIII biopic. There's one coming out about Napoleon. And into the mix of biopics is the dude who makes duck calls from Duck Commander. Anyway, just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there. And we're going to talk about that movie. But not listen, I'm not going to see the movie. Most of you won't see it. I'm going to talk about the Church of Christ. Churches of Christ. I'm going to talk about Campbellites. But it's going to be in the shadow of the Duck Dynasty movie. Uh, I don't have a show topic. I have a little space for one on my notes, but no one sent one in. Nobody knows the trouble I know. Nobody knows but Jesus. Oh, but wait. It was songs about nothing. I threatened you people with songs about nothing. I sang Nothing Man by Pearl Jam. Once divided, nothing left to subtract. Some words when spoken can't be taken back. Walks on his own with thoughts he can't help thinking. I forgot the next words, but in the past he's slow and sinking. Caught a bolt of lightning. You better send me a a show topic or question if you want this to stop. Nothing man, nothing man, could have been something. Nothing man. Listen, I'll, I'll sing the whole Pearl Jam catalog, not just nothing man. You better sing me a question. I can't remember if I already sang that one. Uh, I sang, uh, what was the Alicia Keys song? Everything Means Nothing. If I ain't got you, baby. There's a Whitney Houston song, I Have Nothing If I Don't Have You, but that's just too far out of my range. 
because I got nothing, nothing, nothing. I can't, I can't sing like Whitney Houston. Can't hit the notes, so I won't try. <sighs> anyway, I got nothing, nothing. So send in a question about theology or apologetics. For those of you who hadn't turned it off by now, because I sang a whole verse of a Pearl Jam song, uh, Seth Dunn eight eight at gmail.com SethDunn88 at gmail.com or dial 470-315-0875 The Christian Commute is your theological roadside assistance. So send in those questions. We'll get to that show topic, Baptism in the Blind. Maybe I'll call it Phil Robertson, Baptism in the Blind. Because, oh, that'll get me some That'll get me some drafting downloads. And we got the Bible chapter review. We finished yesterday the parable of the talents. And now we're going to finish, or we're going to start. It's not, I don't, it's not, I don't guess this is a parable. We're going to start the sheep and the goats, which is Jesus talking about real deal things that are going to happen as the denouement of these parables, as the application of these parables. So we've talked about the prudent and imprudent virgins. We've talked about the the lazy slaves and the hardworking slaves who get the talents as their master goes away. Now Jesus is just going to be straight up talking about the eschaton. There's no parable to teach this. Talking about the sheep and the goats. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, He will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. That is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 35. Or at least I I think it's 35, because I I wrote down 31, and I put a dash, and I forgot to to write down where I was going to end. I don't know anything about shepherding. I don't know why a shepherd has to separate the sheep from the goats. Why they just can't all be in harmony together out there in the fields. Maybe the goats are mean to the sheep. I don't know. But they're all there in the same flock with their white woolly hair. I mean the sheep, 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 the sheep. The sheep literally have wool. I don't, I don't know. Can, can you make goat wool? Goats have it's not wool that goats have, but they have that long white hair. I guess you can make clothes out of goat hair. You can make cheese out of goat milk. Why can't you make clothes out of goat hair? I don't, I've never heard of sheep's milk, but I wouldn't put it past some of those people out there in the ancient times drinking it. Anyway, apparently sheep separ- or shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. And Jesus refers to himself here by his messianic title, the Son of Man. So he's been the bridegroom in a previous parable, and he's been the master of the house in a previous parable. No, I'm not going to sing Master of the House from Les Mis, even though I really want to. If ever I say a phrase from a song, I compulsively have to sing that song. But I'm, I want to come out, but I'm not going to. Okay, I'm, it's past. I, I, listen, I can't guarantee you that I won't sing Master of the House or some other song from Les Mis in the near future, but I, I didn't want to interrupt the parable singing that one. All right? 
So when Jesus comes, he's the Son of Man. He's coming what? In his glory. Who's with him? All the angels. This is a big deal. This is at the end of the world. He is coming with his angels to finalize everything. This is his coming that they have been asking about. What's he going to do when he comes with his angels? He's going to sit on his glorious throne. What's he going to do from that throne? He's going to judge. He's going to gather his people unto himself. Why is he on a throne? Because he's a king. What's the king going to do? Decide who's in his kingdom. He already really knows who's in his kingdom. The sheep are in the kingdom. The goats aren't. They're in the same flock here on the earth. It's sort of like the parable of the the so is it the parable of the sower. What do you call that parable? The parable uh, of the the wheat and the chaff. When the wheat and the chaff are growing up together, and when the angels gather the wheat into his barn, they're going to separate the wheat and the chaff. The goats and the sheep are a little bit like the wheat and the chaff. And listen, who's doing the separating here? It's, it's Jesus. He's doing this separate. He says, it's going to be like a shepherd when he separates one kind from the other. So, sheep on the right, goats on the left. He's putting them there. Who are the sheep? The prudent virgins and the slaves who doubled their talents, five and ten. Who are the goats? The imprudent virgins and the lazy slave who buried his talent. Okay. And we'll get to what the people who are being separated say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this? Or Lord, Lord, when did I do this? And the truly I say to you, depart from me, I do not know you. We'll get to that. But just be aware that when Jesus comes back in the visible church here, in the kingdom, he's going to separate the people who truly belong to him from the people who truly don't. And guess who's deciding who belongs? It's him. It's him. Because these people are going to make professions and say, we did this, we did that. Well, God decides whose profession is legitimate. And that's that. That's that for the Bible chapter review. Now we're going to go on to the show title, Phil Robertson, Baptism and the Blind. It has been a long time since I've said anything about the Duck Dynasty people. I think their 15 to 45 minutes of fame has been over now. I don't watch what was a little show they had. Duck Dynasty. Me and my wife, before we had kids, back when we actually watched TV, I don't even have my cable box hooked up anymore, uh, we used to watch Duck Dynasty together. And it was a fun little show. It was wholesome. There's no F-words and nudity on it. And the reality shows tend to have be like celebrities having drinking contests. There was none of that. It was just good, wholesome family fun. And it was funny. And yeah, we knew the show wasn't true reality. Like, they made up the situations. So, the real situations would be the guys sitting around making their duck blinds in the factory and joking around with each other. But they had sort of A-plots and B-plots, and a lot of this was made up. Like, I think there was a time a panther got in the duck blind warehouse. So, Phil 
set out a Louisiana flower trap to track the panther. I mean, that's obviously made up. They didn't have a panther get in there. And they didn't need to lay flour on the ground to get panther tracks. There was another episode where Cy won a camper in a raffle. And he stuck up the camper, I'm sorry, stuck up the camper making squirrel meat spaghetti. I don't, I don't know if they really eat squirrel meat spaghetti, and I don't know if it would smell bad. And I don't know why you would make it in a camper that you just won a contest, or that you just won in a contest. So there was things that they obviously made up, sort of uh, scripting reality, if you will. But that was the show. Another thing that was somewhat scripted was their look. Remember all the guys had big beards? If you find the picture of Willie and Jace and Phil's other kids, before they started doing the reality show, they didn't, ha- they didn't have beards. That They didn't have that unique style. They probably wore camo everywhere, but they didn't have the big beards that they had. That was sort of a persona that was they were creating of the outdoorsman. And before the reality show, they had a, a hunting show, Duck Commander, Buck Commander, that would come on Outdoor Network type stuff. So they, they marketed themselves. And, I mean, th- these are people, their religion notwithstanding, or their wholesome family lifestyle notwithstanding, and I'm not saying they're phonies, I really think that's how they are. Uh, wholesome family people, modest people and how they dress. One of the daughters had a modest clothing line. Uh, these are self-made people. Like Phil was a self-made man. He started his duck call business like in his backyard working out of a shed and he grew it to a national business with a warehouse full of people in whatever town in the Louisiana they're from. Is it West Monroe? So he was a successful entrepreneur. So good for him for being a successful entrepreneur uh, to try and raise a family in church. What a great citizen. And he came from a rough background. And that's what the new movie is about. The Blind is about Phil and his sort of rough and tumble background of being a drunkard and carousing even when he was married. And the, the, the movie was going to show his redemption from living on the wild side to finding religion and becoming an, an evangelist, not just uh, a guy who makes duck blinds. Not duck blinds, he makes duck calls. So that's what the movie is about, his interesting life. So if, if you're a Duck Dynasty fan, you'll probably flock to see it. And I remember when Duck Dynasty became popular, you started to, to see... Duck Dynasty media, especially Phil's book, in bookstores, in Christian bookstores. I remember seeing his book in a Christian bookstore, and it was at the bookstore at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, the Lifeway. Now there are no more Lifeway standalone stores, thank the Lord, but you can still order their stuff off the internet. And I remember seeing it, and I was mad. I was like, why is that book in our Christian bookstore? Because... Phil Robertson is not a biblical Christian. Uh, Sociologically speaking, he's a Christian. But the Robertson clan are members of the Churches of Christ. One of the brothers who doesn't have the big beard and who's not on the show a lot, I think his name's Alan, but I can't remember, 
uh, he's actually a pastor in the churches of Christ. And why is that a problem? Because the churches of Christ preaches a false gospel. They are, in effect, Judaizers. So a lot of people think, oh, it's so great that we have these Christians on this show. They pray at the end of every show. And it, it, you know, it just makes Christians look good. Which it would if they were actually Christians. Uh, I learned from Mark Lamprecht way back in the day, years ago. This is why I haven't talked about him in a long time. That the Duck Dynasty people were Church of Christ, Churches of Christ. And that, thus being from the Campbellite movement, we shouldn't count them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think one of the first blogs, maybe the second or third blogs I ever wrote, was about that. And I never really thought about it again until this movie came out, The Blind. And by the way, for those of you who don't know anything, anything about hunting... You hunt ducks from a duck blind. So when you are hunting doves and ducks, probably geese, it's a it's a hunt where you sit there, akin to deer hunting. So if you hunt an upland game bird, such as a quail or a grouse or a pheasant, they tend to roost. Those are birds that don't really fly a lot. They roost, and then they fly to another roost. And you, you would use a dog to sniff out and find, literally hunt down, the birds. Because when you talk about hunting, do you really hunt deer? You just kind of sit there, and then they come to you. When you hunt quail, you got to go out and find them. And you have to have a dog to sniff them out. And they sit there in their roost... And hide there, and then you got to go flush them, and they fly up, and you shoot them. So that kind of bird hunting is you have to find something. When you're hunting doves or ducks, you have to camouflage yourself because you're you've set yourself up among, uh, or in the middle of their flight path, where you think they're going to be. So in a dove field, it's illegal to what they what you call bait dove fields. So if you just throw a bunch of horse food and corn out in the field, you know the doves are going to try to eat it. That's called baiting a field. But if you have a field full of horses, it's, well, this is horse feed. And if the, 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 this, if, the, if, the, if the doves come through here to find it, well, it was for the horses. I didn't bait the field. Uh, corn silage is another good dove bait, but you got to have cows that be out there to eat the corn silage. Otherwise, you're baiting a field. So you'll sit in the field, usually next to like a roll of hay that's covering you up, and you wear camouflage. You don't wear camouflage to go uh, upland uh, bird hunting, like for quail. I mean, a lot of people do because that's just your hunting clothes. So you think about hunting a deer. You'll be in a deer stand up in the tree where they can't see you. You'll be deadly quiet and deadly still, and you're wearing camouflage. Doves, you'll you sit there wearing camouflage, hiding behind a hay bale, sitting on a little stool, and it's the same thing with duck hunting. You get in what's called a blind, so it's a little structure, sort of like a deer stand, that you put near the pond or lake where you're going to dove hunt, because that's where doves are coming when they're in their migratory pattern. They're going to fly in parallel to you, or I'm sorry, perpendicular to the hunter, 
because your gun's pointing one way and they're going to fly in to where your gun's pointing. If you think about shooting sporting clays, it's like it's akin to shooting skeet. Shooting a dove or shooting a duck is akin to uh, shooting skeet. And they don't see you there in their blind. So they're, they're, they're too high up to shoot when they're in the migratory pattern. But when they're coming to rest in the lake, they get down. If there's any danger, they'll go back up and go to a different place to land. But they don't see you because your duck blind is right there on the shore of the lake and it's camouflaged. It might have little sticks built on it. It's a marsh. And you shoot out of that duck blind. You kill your duck. And then you have to have a Labrador or a Golden Retriever with you because it's cold a lot of times, duck uh, duck hunting. The duck falls out dead in the middle of the lake. It's 20 foot deep. He's floating there. And that's when you send your Labrador or Golden Retriever to go retrieve the duck. So you need a dog and a duck blind to hunt ducks if you want to do it right. So that's why the movie is called The Blind because the Duck Dynasty people are considered the most expert duck hunters in you know in America you know they're not you, a lot of times to go duck hunting you go down to the deep south you have to have a guide take you somewhere and the, the way those guys got popular is they filmed themselves going duck hunting and that helps sell their product which was a duck call so when you're in the blind if you want du- ducks to come closer than you you have a little call and you it's like a little thing of wood that you rub together and you have a turkey turkey call or a duck call and it simulates the sound of a duck calling to another duck and then they come towards that call and boom you blast them so that's why the movie is called the blind because phil robertson his the way he got famous but the, really the way he got prosperous is making duck blind or duck uh duck calls so it's, we have these great Christian duck hunters in their reality show, right? No, wrong. They're from the churches of Christ. So let's go back to the Restoration period. There is a period in American history called the Restoration period when all these new religions or denominations were starting saying, well, we're restoring the church. Mormonism comes out of the Restoration period. Jehovah's Witnesses come out of the Restoration period. Seventh-day Adventists come out of the Restoration period. And Shakers came out of that, but there's no more Shakers, as I've talked about before. But another religious group that came out of the, uh, the Restoration period are the Campbellite move, uh, Campbellites, founded by Alexander Campbell and known today as the Churches of Christ. So you can be driving around and see so-and-so Church of Christ, so-and-so Church of God, but if it's Churches of Christ, that's the Campbellites, which is different from, say, the United Church of Christ. And what the Campbellites began to teach is that baptism is salvific. So first you need to make a profession of your faith, repent of your sins. Dear God, I repent of my sins and I want Jesus to be my Savior. Alright, so now you believe in the gospel. Are you saved yet? Are you justified before God yet? The answer is no. You have to be baptized by a Campbellite minister. Now a lot of, a lot of modern Campbellites are more relaxed on that. They'll say any baptism counts. But the true, true blue, uh, original Campbellite idea was to be baptized in the name of the Father 
in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, by a Campbellite minister. And if your baptism varied from that in any way, you weren't really saved. And their idea is that they were restoring things back to how they were, the original church. And you can imagine the landmark Baptists having an argue with them. But that was the whole idea of the Restoration Movement. All of these people, so sort of like the Reformation, but bogus, rediscovering the Bible and deciding that the denominations we have now are wrong. So we got Methodists and Presbyterians and Baptists, and they're all wrong. The Lutherans are wrong, and we're going to restore it back to how it was. And the Restorationist idea of the Campbellites was what baptism saves you. So, so think about it like this. If I show up to First Baptist Church this Sunday, and I am, and the preacher gets up there and he preaches, and at the end he gives an invitation, somebody might walk down the aisle and say, Brother Kyle, I want to repent of my sins and accept Christ as Savior. And they'll find, uh, what do you call those people? Altar counselor. They'll find an altar counselor to talk to them. We'll finish singing I Surrender All, or whatever they play. And they'll take that person back. They'll make sure their confession is legitimate, that they understand the gospel. Then they'll say, all right, what you need to do is come next month to the Now That I'm a Christian class, and we're going to explain the gospel to you. We're going to explain some basic Christian uh, doctrines to you. And then what we're going to do, if you affirm all the things we're telling you, is we're going to schedule a baptism for you on the day that we do baptisms next. And then, you know, maybe six weeks later, after that small amount of catechizing, they're going to baptize that person, okay? And then they'll be a church member. Now, let's say after that person makes a profession of faith. I, I've watched him do it, and the church counselor's seen him do it, and the, the, the people who do the Now That I'm a Christian class have said, yep, we believe you're a Christian, we're going to schedule you a baptism. They wake up on Sunday morning, and uh, they, they put their t-shirt on that says, First Baptist Church, we grow people. And they're, they're excited about their baptism. And Allie woke up, 6 a.m., graduation day. Got into a car, crashed along the way. We arrived late to the wake. Stole the urn as it looked away. And took it to the beach because they know they want it that way. And I know it wasn't right, but it felt so good. And your mother wouldn't mind like I thought she would. And that R.E.M. song was playing in my mind. Three and a half minutes felt like a lifetime. And the person crashes and dies before their important event, just like in that Better Than Ezra song, which is based on a real event, by the way. So just like that woman in the, who goes to graduation in the Better Than Ezra song, she dies in a car crash. So that person coming on her way to the First Baptist Church dies in a car crash, tragically, in front of Cross Point. What a terrible place to die. The Churches of Christ people would say that person who confessed Christ as Savior even went through the now that I'm a Christian class to, so that the church could confirm their salvation. That person would go to hell. Why? Because they weren't baptized. If you went up, at, I don't know if Churches of Christ have altar calls. If you if you went up and answered an altar, altar call to Churches of Christ, they'd baptize you right then and there. And if you read the Duck Dynasty people's accounts of witnessing to people, 
it's it's subtle, but all of a sudden they're talking about they baptized them. Their hair is wet. We baptized them in the pool. We baptized them in the hot tub. Because if they don't baptize them right then and there, they're not really saved and they might go to hell. Or they will go to hell. Now, take that further. Let's say the person from our Better Than Ezra song example shows up to First Baptist Church and gets baptized. And Kyle says, I now baptize you, my brother. Say, do you confess Christ? Yes. Do you repent of your sins? Yes. Whatever. whatever. All right. Upon your confession, my sister or my brother, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then he he ducks them one good time. Well, hold on. Did you dunk them three times? Once for the Father, once for the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Did you remember to say Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Well, if you didn't, they're not really saved. Oh, by the way, Brother Kyle is not a Churches of Christ minister, so his baptism doesn't even count, so you're not really saved. By the way, if you want to know the most famous Church of Christ person, it's Max Lucado. So get rid of all his books if you have them. And that's what the Church of Christ believes. So now what saves you? Baptism as a work. Baptism becomes a work. Okay? So think of a denomination like the Presbyterians. They say that baptism is analogous to circumcision. Now, I don't think it is, but that's how they think of baptism. That's why they sprinkle babies and call it baptism. But there's the idea that it's analogous to circumcision. That's an important point to remember because I want to contrast the Presbyterians and the Church of Christ people. But no Presbyterian or no Baptist will say upon your confession that if you haven't been baptized, you're going to go to hell if you die before you get it. And none of them will say that baptism is salvific. So the Presbyterians will say, well, baptism isn't salvific. Uh, it's a sign of the covenant. The Methodists will sprinkle the baby. I don't know why they sprinkle the baby. I don't. It doesn't do anything. I have no idea what they're... I, you think I would know, but I don't know why they do their baby sprinkling. I know why the Presbyterians do. Uh, same thing in the Anglican Church. The Baptists say, all right, and the Church of God people too, like Church of God Cleveland Assembly, Assemblies of God, they'll say this is a church ordinance, but it doesn't, it doesn't impart anything to you. You're just doing it to publicly identify with Christ. And we always like to look at the Church of Christ people and say, thief on the cross, case closed. Remember the Galatian heresy of the Judaizers. What were the Judaizers saying? They were saying, well, if you're a Christian, a Gentile Christian, you weren't circumcised when you were a kid. Or you, you know, just like the Presbyterians might say, you weren't baptized as a kid because they think circumcision and baptism are analogous. You weren't circumcised because you're a gentle, you, Gentile and you grew up Gentile. Now that you want to be a Christian, you have to follow the Jewish dietary laws. Oh, and by the way, you have to be circumcised. And we don't think about this as modern Christian West, Westerners because we almost all get circumcised. I only ever know one kid who wasn't circumcised and we thought he was weird because he didn't get circumcised. Okay. Uh, so even Christians get circumcised now just because that's how we do in the West. We think it's a health thing. Nobody thinks it saves us. We don't make a ceremony at it like the, out of it like the Jews do. But what the Judaizers said is you have to follow these Jewish laws. You're not saved unless you're circumcised. And then what did Paul do in Galatians? You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And I'm paraphrasing, but he really did say this. I wish the Judaizers would cut their testicles off. Because they are to be cut off. If anyone preaches a gospel different than the one I preach to you, even if it's an angel from heaven, in parentheses, even if it's a famous duck call maker who has a 
guy who has books in the Christian bookstore, let him be anathema. That means cut off, like he wanted them to cut off their balls, okay? If you preach that a work, that you have to do something to be saved, if you're saved by anything other than the grace of God by faith, saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you argue that you have to do anything to be saved, even if it's getting baptized, which you're supposed to do, you're preaching a different gospel. So you look at the TV and you think the Robertsons are fellow Christians. They're not. Anyone who believes Churches of Christ doctrine believes a false gospel and should be cut off. Now, are there people who are Churches of Christ people who disagree with that and are truly Christians? Yes, just like there's probably Catholic people who are truly Christians, but they don't understand that, or understand yet, that all the Catholic theology is wrong. Because not everybody understands the theology of their church. I bet you could go to church with me on Sunday and find people who don't understand or believe all 18 articles of the Baptist faith and message, yet they're saved. But what I'm telling you is the official Campbellite doctrine is heretical. And it anathematizes anyone who believes it under Galatians 1.8. It's just the Bible, guys. It's just biblical. So why was I so incensed that they had the Phil Robertson's book in the bookstore? Well, because it's a Baptist bookstore. Baptists and Campbellites used to be contentious with one another. Baptists couldn't stand Campbellites. They thought it was they they were heretics who looked like Baptists. And they would write polemics against each other. If if you were a Baptist in the 1800s, you you would detest Campbellites. You wouldn't count them as brothers. But now we're just ignorant. So now here's what's going to happen. The blind is going to get promoted at local churches because this is how Christian movies work. Nobody wants to go see them. They're usually bad. So they get promoted through the local Baptist associations and the bookstores and at the local church. And people are going to go see this movie and they're going to say, wow, what a powerful movie that has uh, the gospel and it's going to be I need to take my lost friend because my lost friend is interested in this famous guy with the beard. So he'll want to go see this movie with me and he'll see how religion and Christianity and the gospel changed Phil Robertson's life. Listen, Phil Robertson did find religion and it did change his life. But as Jason Isabel saying, is your brother on a church kick? Seems Seems like just a different type of dope sick. Better off to teach a dog a card trick than try to make a point and make it real. Alcoholics like Jason Isabel are friends with other alcoholics, and they know that some of them find religion. This is a common phrase in the South. So-and-so found religion, and he has replaced his bad habits with the good habits of going to church and living a straight life. Now he's chaste and straight and sober. Guys, there are plenty plenty of false converts who follow religion, just like the Judaizers. So yes, I'm not denying that Phil Robertson found religion. I'm telling you he found the wrong one, which led him to promote a false gospel. 
that says you must be baptized by another Campbellite. Now, whenever you know Phil Robertson, I remember when they asked him on his show, "What about gays?" Because they try to ask famous people about gays to get them in trouble from the woke left, and he's all, "Well, in Corinthians it says not to be gay." Case closed. I agree with you, Phil. So I'm going to agree with Phil Robertson on social stuff and the importance of evangelism. He he evangelizes people, but ultimately. We as Baptists and Presbyterians and evangelical Christians who believe the true gospel should reject them as fellow Christians and not promote them and their movies and books in the Christian bookstore and our churches. We need to get back to being against the false gospels again. Because we live in a leftist woke cancel culture. We just want to accept everybody else who says that he or she's a Christian. That's not biblical, and that's not how it used to be in the 1800s and 1900s for the, for, for the Baptists and the Bible Belt. We would contend against the people who would put forth a false gospel. Because, listen, we ultimately want to save them out of their false gospel. We're not trying to be contentious or mean, but we're trying to say, hey, if you don't believe the right gospel, you're going to be cut off just like the Judaizers. So believe the right one. I'll tell you what it is. It's for the sake of someone else's eternal soul that we don't ex- uh, accept their almost Christianity. Because almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Church of Christ, pe- churches of Christ people, they're goats if they die in their Church of Christ beliefs. Because the elect are the elect from the beginning of time, before the foundation of the world, and they may start their lives as Roman Catholics, Mormons, and whatever. But ultimately, to be a sheep, to get put on the right side of the shepherd, you need to believe the right gospel, and you can't be a Church of Christ person. Yes, it's about the purity of the church. Yes, it's about having the right message in the visible church. But ultimately, it's about sharing the one true gospel with someone because you want to see them saved. So if you love lost people, you're not going to promote any Church of Christ person as a fellow Christian. And Phil Robertson is just a great example that everybody knows. So don't think you're going to see some Christian movie. That's just more of them trying to get more money out of their fame. It ain't about... You, it could be about, like, who here's this redemption of this guy? But yeah, but you, you weren't really redeemed. Because you you don't really believe the right gospel. So whenever you see Sadie Robinson out speaking at some conference, it's usually some ticket-selling conference, inch-deep theology about getting salvations from people like Louis Giglio is going to have her and people like that. Insist on the one true gospel. Don't don't let listen. Don't settle for jelly. You want planter all fruit. Don't settle for that yellow mustard. Store brand Ingalls yellow mustard or even French's. Insist on Grey Poupon. Alright? It's the real thing that you want. Don't settle for anything less than the one true gospel and saving people's souls. So What have I done? I've used a famous person to teach somebody about a false religion. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Lord willing, 
I'll be back with you again Tuesday. Lord willing, I will upload these shows. As always, God bless. And as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. God bless. Oh, I had a great close there. Now I'm fumbling, fumbling for the for the phone to press the button. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.